Welcome to Across Africa. I'm Georgia Calvin-Smith, and we'll be taking a look at some of the top stories from across the continent. In Ivory Coast, support workers head out into rural communities to offer more help to families living with autism. Facilities for ASD are woefully lacking in the country. Also, we unwrap the mystery of Egypt's longest-serving pharaoh, Ramses II, as his sarcophagus makes a stop here in Paris on its world tour. And the beat goes on. One Nigerian artist harks back to historical rhythms by getting kids to learn traditional Yoruba percussion before the drums fall silent. But first, taboo, stigma, the high cost of treatment, in Ivory Coast, living with and treating autism spectrum disorder, or ASD, is difficult. The WHO reckons that about 1% of the population is affected, but there are no official studies. In 2018, Ivory Coast's Buake Hospital and the NGO Mindful Change started working together on a project to offer more support to those living with ASD. Take a look. Nicholas Quadio knows these red dirt roads like the back of his hand. He's a community mental health worker around Bwake in central Ivory Coast. I come twice a week. I try to make families aware that autism is a neurodevelopmental disorder. Today, he brings his medical expertise to seven-year-old Divine. She presents symptoms of autism spectrum disorder. As soon as she started walking, we noticed she was different. The WHO estimates that 1% of the population in Ivory Coast could be affected. But this behavioural disorder remains poorly understood, especially in rural areas. It's stigmatising and it bothers me. People tell me she's disrespectful. Here, autism often comes with prejudice against parents and children. In Ivory Coast, it's frowned upon when you have a child that has a disorder. It brings shame to the family and sometimes they want to keep them in the house and lock them up. There's only one medical centre that takes care of autistic children in the region, and it's a 45-minute drive away. Divine's parents don't have the means to take her to see a specialist, so Nicola makes the commute. Miss Kua is the director of the centre. She's one of the first speech therapists in Ivory Coast. She graduated in 2022. In the absence of a qualified doctor's diagnosis, she makes a first assessment with Divine. With only five child psychiatrists for more than 11 million children under the age of 14, the waiting list is long. We have no funding. We don't have enough staff. Currently, we need a psychometrician and a psychologist to help us take care of these children. Ivorian health authorities plan to launch a vast autism screening project in 2023, but currently, there's only one public care centre in the country and less than a dozen doctors trained in the management of autism. There is a big push in Togo to promote the sale of locally sourced tilapia. The fish is the most eaten breed in West Africa, but local farmers long struggled with competition from Chinese imported fish. Now, that was banned in 2018. And since then, the industry's gone from strength to strength. Togo now ranks second in fish farming in West Africa. The largest fish farming estate in Togo stretches across Lake Nangto in the plateau region. Pierre Akakpovi leads the tilapia industry on the Mono River. Now our daily harvest capacity is 7 to 10 tonnes. Lofty Farm provides technical support to 12 other entrepreneurs, 
established on the lake by the Togolese government. Together, they account for 90% of the national fish production. The company began production in response to the scandal on contaminated tilapia imported from China. Despite its ban since 2018, Chinese tilapia still circulates illegally through the easily accessible borders. These are the fish that the Chinese smuggle. They freeze them with 30% water and 70% fish. Everything produced here is organic, starting with the main ingredient, food for the fish. The entrepreneur partners with a deep-freezing specialist who buys 60% of his production to market across the country. Today there are 200 tons of stock of frozen fish in our cauldrons in Lome. And there are still 200 by the lake that can't be frozen because the cauldrons are full. And that's because some people don't want to play fair by supporting local producers. To support local production, the government had to impose a quota of 4% of Togolese tilapia to be purchased by frozen fish importers. However, according to supporters of the local fish industry, this is not enough because most of the production costs rely on cereal consumption, with their soaring prices. Imported fish is subsidized through tariff reductions, unlike local fish. The job attracts a young workforce, with 300 presently working for Lofty Farm. Our ambition is to produce enough for all Togolese people to have fish to eat and to avoid consuming imported fish. 90,000 tons of fish are still imported into the country. Provided it receives concrete support, Lofty Farm aims to conquer regional and international markets. In South Africa, it's going to start paying to go green. Cape Town will soon be able to buy power from independent producers who feed into the local electricity grid. Now, that sparked a record number of residents registering solar installations. Our Nadine Tron has more. In Cape Town's affluent suburbs like this Gulf estate, solar installations are taking place everywhere. Angelo Henry runs his business from home and he's not letting constant power cuts hold him back anymore. The long-term outlook looks pretty um, bleak. So you just got to plan for the worst case scenario. We're also heading into winter when we expect demand to increase and you know you obviously don't want to stay in the dark during winter. The solar company's owner entered the industry when power cuts started in 2014. Now he gets around 100 customer calls per week. Usually these gigs or jobs are um, stock dependent. So um, the volumes are there, but there's just not enough stock being um, made available by the suppliers because of the high demand. A residential solar installation like this one takes a team of five about three days and costs up to 120,000 rand. The current demand for solar power installations is so high that customers have to wait at least a month before installations can begin. The city of Cape Town will soon buy power generated by residents. They also offer incentives to those who can't afford the switch to solar through a so-called HEROES program. Only the relatively wealthy can afford to install uh, panels and batteries. So we have designed a program that allows every household to benefit at every income level. 
by saving power at peak periods. Cape Town's customers already have less power cuts than the rest of the country, who often experience up to seven hours without electricity daily. But soon other cities will follow, allowing their residents to become electricity suppliers. History lovers in Paris can take a walk in the presence of one of Egypt's longest reigning pharaoh. The sarcophagus of Ramses II, also known as Ramses the Great, is the highlight of a major exhibition here. It's on special loan from Egypt and is here in the French capital until September as part of a 10-city world tour. It's the centerpiece of an exhibit that's opening on Friday in the French capital. The sarcophagus of Ramses II, one of Egypt's most famous pharaohs. The artifact, which is around 3,000 years old, hadn't left Egypt for several decades, until it started a world tour in 2021 as part of a traveling exhibit. The chest is far more ancient than Julius Caesar or Alexander the Great, and it's here in front of us. It was taken out of Egypt once in 1976 or 77 because it had to be restored. It was brought here to France and they were able to save Ramses and the coffin. And now we are so lucky to have this loan, so in a way Ramses is coming back to France. In the 1970s, the mummy of Ramses II was shipped from Egypt to France, where it was welcomed like a head of state. Infested by fungi and bacteria, a team of French experts nursed it back to health using x-rays. France and Egypt share a very long-standing friendship, and there's also long-standing cooperation when it comes to science, heritage and archaeology. This is what created the trust we see today with this loan Egypt is making to France, rather than to another country. This time, it's just the sarcophagus that made the journey. The mummy, which is too fragile to travel, remains in the Cairo Museum. The reign of Ramses II is synonymous with grandeur. It was he who commissioned the temples of Abu Simbel, now one of Egypt's most iconic sites. Back in Paris, visitors will be able to dip into this history as of Friday, with the help of virtual reality to rediscover this chapter of ancient Egypt. In Lagos, a Nigerian artist is harking back to the rhythms of heritage by getting kids to learn the traditional percussion of the Yoruba. Adebayo Ayodeji fears that this aspect of musical history risks falling silent and has been running workshops to keep children playing to their ancestral beats. Take a listen. On this Lego street corner, adults and children bang away on a variety of traditional African percussion instruments. This drumming workshop is organized by Nigerian artist Adebayo Ayodeji, a way for the 42-year-old to promote Yoruba culture and educate younger generations. We are using this to revive our culture, our cultural values. Most of them don't, they've not seen this kind of drum before. They've not played it before. And this is an opportunity to introduce them to it. For Ayodeji, who's been playing professionally for 15 years, drums are more than simple instruments. They were traditionally used in weddings and ceremonies to help get in touch with spirits, but also as a tool to communicate between neighboring villages. A central element of Yoruba culture that's slowly sinking into oblivion, but which these parents still hope to pass on to their children. Culture is always it's fluid, it's always transforming. And we have to, you know, have um, ways where we can document, we can also archive and also incorporate our children in what we do. 
for the kids. The workshops are a playful way to learn about their ancestors' cultures and traditions while having a lot of fun. I'm glad that I was able to experience and being able to like play those kind of drums. And I remember she bought me one of those drums when I was younger to play on and then I broke it. Thanks to initiatives like this one, traditional Yoruba drums aren't likely to go extinct anytime soon. Well, that's it for Across Africa for now. Thanks for joining us and do so again if you can. Till then, take care.